drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, January the 20th, 2022. Here's a question. Is it even possible to keep big tech in check? Or is it really too late? Have we let the uh, cat out of the bag, so to speak, and there's no way to get it back in? I also think of this same question in terms of the financial institutions and their picking of winners and losers. Who are they going to cancel, cut off, and deny? And who aren't they? And who gets to create that standard? To have this conversation today, we've invited Rachel Bovard from The Federalist. Uh, she's going to be on our program at 35 past the hour. She's the Senior Director of Policy Conservative Partnership Institute with The Federalist. And uh, we're looking forward to that conversation at 35 past the hour. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern. You know, the military archdiocese came out with a very clear, very clear statement on gender confusion and their policy Moving forward for all of their staff, their volunteers, their schools, all, everything. And I think it's a bold statement, considering the difficulties of what it must be like to continue to do ministry in a, uh, in a day and an age where our military seems to be sliding further and further to the left. So we're going to have that conversation coming up at 15 past. Plus the, uh, the president, uh, or president, forgive me, the, the former pope, Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus, seems to be caught up in a, uh, an investigation going on in Germany about a sex abuse case at the hands of a priest when he was the bishop in Munich. So we might cover that as, as well. So lots to cover today on the program. It's going to be a great show. Join us for all or part of it if you can. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How are you? I'm great. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, good enough for government work. <laughs> That's the, you know, that was the fun thing we always used to say in the Marine Corps. Anytime someone asks you, how are you doing? Good enough for government work. It's so true. Because we were literally doing government work. So <laughs> I guess that's good that you're do good enough to do yeah. your job. Hey, dear listener, if I could petition your prayers, your prayers today, because, uh, you know, my, my little daughter has to get a tongue tie removed. So that involves a laser and uh, probably a lot of pain. So please Ouch. pray for her today. It's going to be a little rough one, but uh, yeah, you'll get through it. <laughs> It'll be sad, though. Praise be to God. Hey, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. A lot of good In news. In spite of it all? No, a lot of good news. I saw a amazing giga chad of a Benedictine a monk uh, story uh, when he's going in with a sledgehammer, crushing uh, the equipment of uh, Planned Parenthood back in the 80s. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. He got thrown in prison and all this stuff. And then he comes out and and uh, and then he's in, they tell him the police say, you're not allowed to come near the abortion clinic. So what does he do? He goes near the abortion clinic. So there you go. Right, praise so to God. you're going to have to define terms. I mean, Giga Chad, what does this even mean? Yes. I need, like a, I need like a, a translation app on my phone <laughs> to to say get whatever you say and then put it into English. Well, you know, like a, like a gigabyte. Or a, uh-huh, or a uh-huh. gigawatt. Which is like a it's lot, like, then, uh, I guess. Right, it's a lot. So that's I mean, a lot. So it's a lot of Chad. What's Chad? Uh-huh. Well, a Chad... Like the see, Chads from the hanging Chads from, like, the vote from President it's Bush. It's basically and, somebody who's really based. 
Yeah, it's like no cap. <laughs> someone who's really based. So do we have FRFR. Do we have enough time to get into no cap and based and chats? Like, all right, I need it. I'm gonna have, let's book an interpreter. How about that? Ray? Can you book us an interpreter for, for so I can learn this what do you language? Mean? That's that you me. Speak? Okay. <laughs> and, Next year, tell me you don't know what Zogslop is. Yeah, let's move on. All right, so there you go, folks. We're gonna we're learning new things every day, but there is a lot to get into uh, in, as far as breaking news and stories, saying to the day, gospel of the day, plus our what's concerning us segment, and then our guest segment with Rachel Bovard coming up at thirty five past the hour. So join us if you can, but don't forget to pick up your car raffle tickets today if you're able to. It makes a big difference for our radio apostolate, and you might win a brand new Mercedes, which is kind of a win-win for everybody. It's a 2022 GLA 250 Night Black, and at the end of February, we draw a name. It might be yours. I don't know, but we take the proceeds and continue our radio apostolate, so thank you in advance. You can find all the details on our website at grnonline.com. Let's jump in. Let's pray for your intentions this hour, dear listener, whatever your needs are. We're going to ask the Queen of Heaven and Earth to pray for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now you're breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and let's dive right into the headline news this morning. Breitbart reports Joe Biden claims he outperformed in first year of office during meandering 112-minute press conference. President Joe Biden defended the first year of his presidency at a press conference at the White House on Wednesday, refusing to change course amidst record low approval ratings for his job performance. When asked by a reporter if he overpromised Americans what he would accomplish as president, Biden replied, I didn't overpromise, and I have probably outperformed what anybody thought would happen. Biden stayed at the press conference for about two hours, taking over two dozen questions from reporters. The president claimed he did not believe the polls, reporting that 59% of independents disprove of his job performance, but he also pointed to similar modern presidents who faced low approval ratings of around 45%. And The Hill reports Supreme Court rejects bid to block mask mandate on airplanes. The Supreme Court on Tuesday rejected a request to block a federal mask mandate for air travel. The emergency application was filed by a father on behalf of himself and a four-year-old autistic son, both of whom claim to be medically incapable of wearing masks for extended periods. Their request was filed to Justice Neil Gorsuch, who handles emergency applications arising in several western states, and he referred the matter to the full court. However, the justices denied the request without any comment or noted dissent. The court's move comes less than a week after the justices issued a split decision on another set of Biden administration pandemic mitigation measures. Last Tuesday, or Thursday rather, the court voted 6-3 to block a vaccine or test mandate for large employers, but voted 5-4 to maintain a vaccine mandate for health providers at federally funded facilities. And the Epic Times reports, our goal is to shut down the country until they dissolve parliament. Thousands of Canadian truckers to strike over vaccine mandates. Following the Public Health Agency of Canada's announcement that foreign truck drivers can only enter Canada if fully vaccinated start, starting on January 15, and the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, announcing a similar requirement starting on January 22nd for non-U.S. national truckers crossing into the United States, Thousands of truck drivers decided to protest against the vaccine mandates. 
threatening to go on strike and strategically paralyze multiple roads. Today, we have one of the most important fights and responsibilities on our hands in recent history, namely to protect our human rights, freedom of choice, freedom of voice, expression, opinion, and uncensored debate, said Martin Broadman, a trucker from Nova Scotia and president of Truckers United Incorporated. And Reuters reports North Korea suggests it may resume nuclear missile tests. And the AP reports UK police arrest two men over Texas synagogue hostage-taking. British police said on Thursday they have arrested two people in connection with a hostage-taking at a synagogue in Texas. Counterterrorism Police Northwest said one, of the, one man was arrested Thursday in Birmingham, central England, and the other in the northern English city of Manchester. They are being held for questioning and have not yet been charged. The force said it's continuing to support U.S. authorities with their investigation into Saturday's hostage incident. Malik Faisal Akram, a 44-year-old British citizen, took four people hostage at a Texas synagogue in a 10-hour standoff that ended in his death. All four hostages, however, were unharmed. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Eustochia. She was born in the village of Santa Santissima Annunziata, An Annunziata, Italy. Saint Eustochia was born Sermarlada Calafato and was the daughter of Bernardo Calafato, a rich merchant of Messina. While her mother was pregnant with her, Messina was stricken with the plague and her parents fled the city to the small town of Santissima Annunziata near Messina, where the child was born on the 25th of March, 1434, the Feast of the Annunciation, and in that year also Holy Thursday. From an early age, she was noted for her beauty, but at the age of 15, against her parents' wishes, she determined to take religious vows. She chose to enter the convent of Basico, or a house of poor clares. It seems that her brothers threatened to burn down the convent if she persisted in her plan. But this did not deter her. She took the name Eustis Oshia and remained at Basico for over 10 years. She became known among the sisters for her conspicuous devotion on austerities. She frequently kept vigils, fasted often, and employed corporal mortifications. St. Eustacea was a great lover of the poverty and that, that marked the poor Clares and felt that Basico did not adhere strictly enough to the rule in this regard. After discussion with the sisters and the abbess, and with the approval of Pope Calixtus III in 1464, she decided to found a new convent, which became known as Monte Vergine, Mountain of the Virgin. The building project was apparently completed through the funding of a wealthy relative. St. Eustocia was chosen abbess at the time of her death that the convent was home to 50 sisters. She died on the 20th of January, 1485, at the age of 50. Her incorrupt body rests in the monastery of the sanctuary of Monte Vergine in Messina that was founded by her in around 1459. Her body can be visited twice a week. St. Eustacea, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed him from Galilee and from Judea, hearing what he was doing. A large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crush him. And he cured many 
And as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. He warned them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, recently I saw a quote. My wife actually posted this, and I copied and pasted and stole it directly from her to share with the world. And this was a quote from Father Carlos Martins. He is a, he's a priest of the Companions of the Cross. He's an exorcist and arguably the greatest steward of relics outside of the Vatican on planet Earth. Uh, we've had him on the program in the past. We should get him back. But uh, he said this, quote, Blasphemy is a domain where evidently even the demons will not tread, close quote, Father Carlos Martins. Why is that important? Because how often do we allow ourselves to commit this grave sin of blasphemy so casually in our speech, in our conversation? Even the demons don't do that. I want that to sink in. The Venerable Bede said this, Both therefore fell down before the Lord, those who had the plagues of bodily diseases, and those who were vexed by unclean spirits. The sick did this simply with the intention of obtaining health, but the demonics, or rather the devils within them, because under the mastery of a fear of God, they were compelled not only to fall down before him, but also to praise his majesty. Going on to say, and here we must wonder at the blindness of the Arians, think heretics here, who after the glory of his resurrection denied the Son of God, whom the devils confess to be the Son of God, though still clothed with human flesh. Venerable Bede goes on to say, a sinner is forbidden to preach the Lord, lest anyone listening to his preaching should follow him in his error. For the devil is an evil master who always mingles false things with true, that the semblance of truth may cover the witness of fraud. But not only devils, but persons healed by Christ, even the apostles, are ordered to be silent concerning him before the passion, lest by the preaching of the majesty of his divinity, the economy of his passion should be retarded. Close quote, Venerable Bede, pray for us. Why is this important? What does this all mean? That error can be slight, but misleading. It can be tricky. And sometimes the uneducated ear, the non-catechized person might hear an error and confuse it for truth. It's a subtle manipulation. It reminds us what happened in the garden in Genesis. This is why the church must protect that truth by not allowing these heretics to preach these falsehoods, even if they're so subtle and so slight. Thank you, Venerable Bede, for your insight today. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. We live with the illusion that we are in control. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet, how much of life actually is under our control? 
We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? Sometimes unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, Saint Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of the Rule of Saint Benedict, visit oneminutemonk.com. O n e minutemonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control, when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands in death. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a great conversation with uh, Rachel Bovard. She's the Senior Director of Policy and Conservative Partnership Institute with the Federalist Society. We're going to be talking about regulating uh, big tech. Is it possible to regulate big tech? And I want to throw in the financial institutions as well. They're picking and choosing winners and losers. Who gets to have access to financial resources like getting loans or being able to make transactions, these kinds of things? Uh, we're going to talk to Rachel Bovar from the Federal Society at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me. And here's one, and I'm sure it's a concern to you as well, that you might remember last year we covered this. I think we had Kennedy Hall on, if I'm not mistaken, from uh, Canada, the great country to the north, uh, to talk about this scandalous story that, that was making all the headlines. Apparently there was a system of schools in Canada going back to the 1800s that included Catholic schools trying to educate First Nations people, so indigenous peoples, Indians. And uh, there was a scandal that there was mass graves found. And there was all these reports about uh, abuses that were taking place. And if I'm not mistaken, Adrian, you correct me if I'm, I got this wrong. If I'm not mistaken, the Catholic Church actually admitted to some of this stuff and asked for a pardon. I think even the Pope asked for apologies as well. That's right. I, if I remember correctly, which I can look it up while we're speaking about it, but I, if I remember correctly, that is what happened. Well, here's a story out of the Daily Wire. The headline goes, Remember the hundreds of children's remains found at a Canadian residential school? That narrative may be collapsing. A little bit of the article. Last year, an explosive report claimed that the remains of 215 children had been discovered at a Canadian residential school. The remains were, were, were reportedly discovered by an anthropologist, Sarah Bailu who used ground-penetrating radar to discover the remains allegedly buried on the grounds sometime between 1890 and 1978. While the Kamloops Indian Residential School operated, the discovery was reported by the chief of the First Nation tribe, who said in a statement in May 2021 that, quote, given the size of the school, with up to 500 students registered and attending at any one time, we understand that this confirmed Loss affects First Nations communities across British, British Columbia and beyond. Now, uh, even the uh, Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, got in on the action saying, quote, Remains were found at the former Kamloops Residential School uh, that breaks my heart. It's a painful reminder of the dark and shameful chapter of the country's history. Close quote, Justin Trudeau. Adrian? 
Yes, so I looked it up, and according to uh, The Guardian, they are upset that the Pope did not apologize, but he did come out saying uh, that it was a bad thing that it happened, and that, but they are upset that he didn't speak more forcefully on it. But the Catholic bishops of Canada, as a joint statement, said, there, quote, there is a responsibility that lies squarely on the shoulders of the Catholic bishops of Canada. Uh, end quote. There you go. So, yes, they did, in fact, take uh, blame for the situation uh, without getting the full context of what actually happened. Now, this story was so scandalous back when it first broke that there was people that were going out and vandalizing churches because they thought yeah. that, you know, they thought this was true. One got burnt down. Yes. I mean, it was an iconic image. We used it as a thumbnail in one of our YouTube videos mm -hmm. with Kennedy Hall. It was a pretty tragic story. Well, this article goes on to say, but Canadian journal, the Dorchester Review, is now questioning the discovery seven months after the remains were reported. Professor Jacques Roulard, professor emeritus in the Department of History at the University of Montreal, wrote in the journal that the anthropologist who discovered the remains, Bailu, is young and has been an instructor in anthropology and, and sociology at the University of the Fraser Valley since 2018. Her Quote, her preliminary report is actually based on depressions and abnormalities in the soil of an apple orchard near the school, not on exhumed remains. Close quote, Roulard wrote. The professor added that new research on the subject was revealed at a July 15 press conference where Bailu slight, slightly reduced the number of remains she claimed to have found from 215 to 200 probable burials. Now, that's in air quotes there. Probable burials. She said that after barely that after barely scratched the surface, she found many disturbances in the ground, such as tree roots, metal and stones. Those disruptions picked up in the radar. Burials. Bailu, however, cannot confirm that what she discovered. They never did. All they had was ground-penetrating radar. And what they thought looked could be, possibly, maybe, the remains, but they could also just be tree roots. And yet we saw, based on almost no actual evidence, the church and other schools, because it wasn't just church schools, but there was a bunch of church schools involved. The church not only get blamed for atrocities, it may not even, even actually committed, but then apologize for them. And churches burnt down and, and, and all kinds of wild things happening up in Canada. It's a disturbing uh, reality that the uh, sentencing happens before the actual trial. That evidence was not actually corroborated or, or verified prior to the judgment being handed down by society at large. And they, this article even points out the difficulties in trusting ground-penetrating radar for such things. So there's that. Maybe we'll follow up with the story. Maybe we get Kennedy Hall back on to get more information. We'll have to see how that goes. But let's pray. Let's pray for truth rather than lies. I mean, the gospel today, Venerable Bede made this clear. This is why you don't let certain people teach or preach, because they could confuse the people 
and lead them to a misunderstanding of truth and a manipulation of truth. And the church must guard that. So let's pray. I, I, nobody wants to see uh, anybody, whether they're a First Nation or, or anybody else, abused at the hands of anybody in the church or a teacher or anybody. And if crimes were committed, well, then they need to pay the price. We would want that. But if no crime was committed, then the innocent should not be punished for, for that. So let's pray for a reasonable and clear and proper outcome in that situation. There's a story real quick here out of Germany involving Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. He was named in a report over church's handling of child sex abuse in Germany. Apparently, back when he was bishop there, there was a priest, uh, Hullermann, a father Hullermann, who had uh, a record of abuse, came to his diocese, and he was assigned uh, in, in his diocese. And by 1986, when, when then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger was moved to the Vatican, uh, Hullermann was again convicted of more abuse. Uh, he was already not the bishop at the time, but as a result of this, they've included him in the investigation and a report that's come out. Now, uh, Germany actually did uh, commission a study, and their, uh, their study came out, in, I think, in 2018 that said 1,670 clergymen in the country had committed some of the sexual attack against 3,677 minors between 1946 and 2014. But according to this France24.com article that I'm reading, it says the real number of victims is thought to be much higher. Now, uh, they did receive like an uh, like a 80-some-odd-page reply from Benedict XVI living in the convent in the Vatican Gardens, giving his, you know, answering their questions and giving his, uh, his affirmation to wanting the truth to come out and wanting the, uh, the, the reports to be uh, published and everything else. So it's unclear at this stage what level of involvement Benedict had in this. He may not have had much. He may have had uh, more. I don't know. And the article does not make that clear. But let's pray again for truth, for, uh, for justice to be realized. The virtue of justice, not just the virtue of mercy. All right, here's another story I think is of great concern and I think is very important and inspirational. This came out, I saw it being passed around yesterday online. This is a PDF from the Archdiocese of the Military. Catechesis and policy on questions concerning gender theory. Now, what was it, last year sometime, I think the Army put out a, an ad, um, and it featured uh, a young lady who had two moms. And she was so proud of having gone to you know, pride parades and fought for, for pride and all of those things. And, um, and the whole article was about her, her life growing up with two moms. And it was very, everybody called it woke. It was very strange and bizarre. It's like, what's that got to do with serving in the military, with doing a job, defending our country, defending the Constitution? And it just seemed like it was placating to this, this gender ideology. And so in that environment, to see this document come out from uh, the Archdiocese military, I'm impressed. And praise be to God, I give them great credit. They even include a section on catechesis here. Uh, what, what the church does, in fact, teach, uh, number one here, the church teaches that the human person created in the image likeness of God is a unified creature composed of body and soul. Praise be to Jesus. Our, it goes on section two, our biological sex expressed our body 
expressed by our body is a gift from God and is unchangeable. Goes on number three, a person's gender is inseparable from biological sex. Goes on number four, respect for creation is also respect for one's biological sex. Now, that's the catechesis section. It's really good. Praise be to God. And then the policy section. And so they're saying, okay, because this is what we believe, then this is what we got to do. We say, it says, uh, number one, designation and pronouns. Any parochial, organizational, or institutional documentation which requires a designation of a person's sex is to reflect that person's biological sex. No person may designate a preferred pronoun in speech or in writing, nor a uh, uh, nor are parishes, organizations, or institutions to permit such a designation. Permitting the designation of a preferred pronoun, while often intended as an act of charity, instead promotes an acceptance of the separability of biological sex and gender, and thus opposes the truth of our sexual unity. You remember what Venerable Bede said in the last segment of the Gospel. There's a reason why the Church can't allow people living in sin, to teach, the, to teach what the church teaches, because they will mix truth and error, and the subtleties will confuse people and lead the flock astray. And this, uh, the Archbishop of the Military Archdiocese makes this clear, that although you mean well, we still can't allow it, because it would lead to error. And it goes on to saying, men, biological males have to use a men's bathroom, and biological females have to use a female's bathroom. You got to dress your biological sex. You got to. You can't take uh, the the medications that people use to change their biological sex. I mean, it's just it's a great document. It's clear. It does have, in fact, charity because charity is one of the greatest things we can do for people, and that's to lead them to truth. And truth is a person. That person is Jesus Christ, the Savior of humanity. And we must protect from these subtle errors. So hats off. Praise be to God. Great document. Thank you, the Archdiocese of Military Services, for your courageous leadership in this regard and your charity for those that suffer from gender dysphoria and gender confusion. We're going to be right back. Breaking news and stories. Rudy coming up next, plus our conversation with Rachel Bouvard about big tech. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the Word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your headline news. Breitbart reports DeSantis proposes creation of department to investigate and prosecute voter fraud. Governor Ron DeSantis proposed last week the creation of an election integrity unit to investigate and arrest those who commit voter fraud. The proposal calls for the creation of the Office of Election Crimes and Security, which could hire 52 people to investigate, detect, apprehend, and arrest anyone for an alleged violation from election security tips election fraud. The cost of the program would be $5.7 million and must be approved during Florida's 60-day legislative session. To ensure that elections are conducted in accordance with the rule of law, I propose an election integrity unit whose sole focus will be the enforcement of Florida's election laws, DeSantis announced during his State of the State of Address. This will facilitate the faithful enforcement and election laws and will provide Floridians with the confidence that their vote will matter. The Epic Times reports uh, Republicans gained large number of voters in 2021, surveys say. Republicans saw a large number of voters identify with the party at the end of 2021 compared to the start of the year, while fewer voters leaned towards the Democrats, including, according to the Gallup surveys. The GOP started the year off with 40% of those surveyed identifying as as Republican or lean Republican, a deficit of 9% from voters who identified with the left. However, as the year wore on, more voters began identifying with the right, while a lower number identified as Democrat or lean Democratic. By the end of the year, 47% of voters surveyed identified with the right compared to 42% who identified with the left. The remaining voters identified as non-leaning independent. The results published by Gallup on January 17th were drawn from all phone surveys the polling firm conducted during the year, including interviews with more than 12,000 American adults. The last time Republicans held a five-point advantage was in 1995, while the Democrats have enjoyed double-digit advantages in multiple quarters since then including a strong run between 2006 and 2009. And one American News Network reports Hartford, Connecticut school closed on Tuesday after deadly fentanyl overdose. A school in Hartford, Connecticut remains closed on Tuesday after fentanyl contamination and a student's death. On Monday, school officials at the Sport and Medical Sciences Academy said testing did not meet the standard and the decontamination process on campus must be repeated. This decision came after a 13-year-old student died in the hospital on Saturday of a fentanyl overdose after coming in contact with a drug during school last week. Mayor Luke Bronin said police officers will continue to investigate how students got a hold of such a large quantity of the drug. At least 40 bags of fentanyl, which is 50 times stronger than heroin, were found across the school, uh, the school campus. Police officers believe another student gave the 7th grader the drug. This comes as health officials become increasingly concerned that the teenagers are being targeted as criminals often disguise fentanyl pills as other drugs. The Hartford Public School will remain closed until no fentanyl is detected inside the building. This comes in a time when authorities are seizing record numbers of fentanyl with numbers doubling at the border from last year. And The Blaze reports Boris Johnson ends England's COVID restrictions, including mask mandates and vaccine passports amid scandal. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date on the news. Uh, we're grateful to you. Joining us right now via phone call is Rachel Bovard. She's Senior Director of Policy, Conservative Partnership Institute at the Federalist Society. Uh, good morning to you, Rachel. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you. Praise God. Thanks for your time today. I wanted to get you on to talk about big tech and its, uh, its overreach. Um, we seem to be living in a state today where uh, big tech is has almost more power than governments do. What would you say to that? 
I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I would say I think that they actually have more power than a lot of governments. I mean, these are the world's biggest corporations, the most the biggest we've ever seen. Many of them are international corporations. They don't consider themselves American companies, despite being based here. And many of them have more resources than governments themselves. And I think the ability to control discourse, to distort the flow of information, and thus, you know, control people's opinions and how they gather news and how they vote, that's a power that is unprecedented in modern life. And that's what these companies have. They're they're picking the winners and losers too, and I th- I think the problem part of that problem is who gets to decide the standard, right? And that and that's the issue that I think is being most uh, heatedly debated right now in Congress is this issue of content moderation. You know, who gets to decide what content is put up on these sites and what is taken down? And again, it's a factor of scale. You know, if Google only filtered information for 30% of the world and not 90% of the world like they do now, this would kind of be a different conversation. But because of the scale of these companies, their thumb on that scale in determining, you know, what stands and what goes really does have an outsized influence in shaping political careers in shaping access to voters and again you know a whole host of downstream effects of controlling speech but part of the hypocrisy in this conversation about big tech i think is well look what big tech does in china versus america or in russia even versus america even hollywood makes special versions of their films to release in those markets big tech routinely just does whatever china wants it to do i mean linkedin backed out of uh of China not all that long ago, so I guess they're they're not up for it anymore. But at the same time, why such a difference between what they can do in, and get away with in China versus in America? America seems like we never push back at all. They do take the American legal system for granted. I mean, you know, the American system of innovation and laws allowed these companies to develop in the first place. They'll say this, you know, that, that you know, Section 230 and the laws around uh, social media here in the United States allowed them to develop. But the difference between us and China is that they can make a lot more money in China just based on the sheer number of eyeballs uh, that exist there. And those companies desperately want access to that market. And to your point, you know, Facebook is not in China. Google is not in China, though, keeps being busted trying to be in China. <laughs> and, you know, they were busted not long ago by their own employees building a censored search engine. Yeah. Uh, at the behest of the Chinese government. So they're not, you know, dedicated free speech actors here. Let's be very clear. They are, they want to make as much money as possible, and China is their access point. Rachel, I th- I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the last election and how much censorship there was, you know, in, in talking about the election. Um, some people suggest that we create new platforms as a countermeasure to censorship. Do you think that's a good idea, or should we reject that in principle? So, you know, conservatives have, I think, always felt this way that, you know, we can use the market to our benefit. If we don't like Twitter, we can build our own Twitter. And I think that's always, you know, had a powerful hold on us until what happened to Parler. Um, And I think, you know, if you remember Parler, it was a very, very popular Twitter alternative. As soon as it cracked the mainstream, as soon as it actually became a legitimate threat to one of these incumbents, Apple, Google, and Amazon swiftly acted, you know, within 48 hours of each other to snuff parlor out of existence. They killed the small business completely. (laughs) And so my concern is that even if we build other platforms, they will not be allowed to succeed based on the state of the market today. And that is dominated by a few, you know, massive 
uh, oligopic companies that need antitrust enforcement. So until we actually create a free market in tech, it's my belief that, you know, a lot of alternatives are really just not going to survive because these firms are so dominant and so aggressive. Uh, let's talk about uh, how we even got to this point. It seems to me, that although there are some great exceptions, and I hope you'll mention them, uh, to this rule that I'm about to state, uh, I, it seems like right or left, conservative or liberal, whoever's in power at the time, big tech just grows, and they get more and more power and more and more reach. Uh, why is that? How did we get to this point? You know, it really was only over the last decade that these firms, you know, vaulted from big to just incredibly, you know, massive and dominant. Um, you know, especially under the Obama administration, interestingly, where you could have seen, you know, robust antitrust enforcement against Google and the decision was made not to. The FTC under Obama said, you know, hey, we see some evidence here that, you know, there might be malintent in the marketplace, but we're going to ignore it. And that's just allowed these firms to grow and grow and grow. And, you know, they've become vital areas of commerce, which I think is also something people forget. We think about these platforms as speech platforms, but Google and Facebook in particular are access points to the free market for millions of small businesses around the world and, and Amazon as well. Uh, you know, obviously that's its sole purpose. And so, you know, it's not just they've come to dominate multiple um, avenues of how we exist in society, from speech to purchasing, you know, products to selling products uh, to gathering information. So their reach has just become so entangled with how we live that it's allowed them to just become companies that I personally believe are big enough to shape the contours of society, which usually is not, you know, the calculus in American government uh, in, in self-government, you know, we, the people set the policy, not, not the major corporations, but we've almost reversed that calculus at this point. Rachel, we have about a minute before we had to go to break. Uh, but I wanted to ask, you know, there's a lot of people who are, would respond to this and say, you know, that may be true and I don't like it, but you know, big tech makes life so much easier. I get one day shipping with Amazon. I get the Google results that I want. Uh, so why should I really care? So I think a lot of people feel that way. And you know, these companies have brought tremendous services and efficiencies to our lives. But I think the question is, at what cost? And at what point do you stop realizing what you're giving up for that service? And should your government, you know, set the parameters for what the companies can do with, A, your data, right? We forget how much these companies harvest on us. And two, you know, if they are, access, you know, general avenues of speech at this point, should there be more parameters around should you know elected politicians be cut off from the public square? Should you be censored for your viewpoint? All of these things are questions that arise out of innovation. And traditionally in this country, you know, we have a great and robust system of innovation. But it, you know, usually when it becomes now it reaches a tipping point, we incorporate that innovation into our values and traditions. And I think that's the point we're at at this debate. Hold that thought. Rachel Bavard is our guest, Senior Director of Policy Conservative Partnership Institute, the Federalist Society. We're talking about big tech and regulating. We're talking about what to do next coming up after this very short break. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
What do quasi-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and Star Wars have in common? They all talk about a force. For these sects, the impersonal force is the Holy Spirit. They believe this because in John 14, 26, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is neuter, as opposed to personal terms like father and son. So, how do we respond? Well, first, if we hold to this line of reasoning, we're going to have to say God himself is an impersonal force because he's referred to as spirit in John 4, 24. But these sects wouldn't want to make that conclusion. Second, the verse that's used in the objection says of the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. Folks, impersonal forces don't teach. So, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He's a person that we can have a relationship with. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Rachel Bovard is our guest with the Federalist Society. We're talking about regulating big tech. Welcome back to the show, Rachel. Thanks again for having me. We were talking about uh, big tech and some of the issues that we're facing just before the break, but I want to throw in another, uh, you know, another consideration into this conversation, and then I want to get to kind of what we should do about this. What can we do about this? And that's the financial institutions. We're seeing a day and an age where January 6th, remember the big January 6th uh, event on the Capitol Hill? I mean, not right in your backyard. Well, Bank of America decided to give its bank records to its clients freely over to the federal government without even being subpoenaed for it. Then, of course, you got PayPal deciding winners and losers, who gets to have access to the ability to make transactions, and a bunch of other big financial institutions making decisions based on how you vote, what you put on social media, how do you invest? Do you invest in green energy or not, or that old, dark, oily stuff? I mean, we're seeing this in the financial institution, and it seems very similar to the stuff we're seeing in big tech. How, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's a, an interesting phenomenon. It's this, you know, sort of cult of wokeness that just keeps, you know, feeding into our different institutions. But I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about why it's so dangerous in big tech, I think, to cut off, you know, information and speech and access points to the market. But I think even it's more even deadlier in the financial institution when you are literally cutting off the avenue of capitalism to people over ideology. And that is increasingly what we're seeing. You're seeing, you know, sort of uh, provocateurs like, you know, Alex Jones and, and people like that being cut off from banking services. If you remember, after January 6th, President Trump's bank refused to work with him. Two of his credit cards canceled him. Um, people or, or his campaign, which used a, a credit card processing service called Shopify, wouldn't process transactions. So this is a level of punitive punishment you know, by ripping away access points to capitalism, which is something we've never seen before. And I think a very dangerous era that we're living in. If people can just say, no, you can't participate in public life because we don't agree with you politically. Uh, I'm not sure a self-government survives if that's the case. You know, Rachel, we I know you probably don't have the solution to the problem, uh, but we're seeing more and more. We're going towards the metaverse. Facebook has rebranded to meta and things are going to become more and more online. You're just speaking about the banking system and who knows where this is going to be heading in the, in the near future with all the electronic banking and having it more privatized rather than less. So what exactly what are our options, legally speaking? What can the legislator do? What can the executive do? What can the judicial branch do to try to curtail the powers of big tech? 
Well, it's interesting with the judiciary, you know, people have tried time and time again to sue these companies, to classify them into certain categories. And the judiciary has sort of thrown up its hands and said, look, Congress hasn't spoken here. <laughs> so there really isn't anything we can do. These companies are sort of legally inscrutable. So I think it's becoming more and more clear that Congress, the legislature, has to set the rules of the road. And what I mean by that is, you know, they can put down a whole host of laws about what these companies can do with our data, which will curtail you know, this massive expansion of power that a lot of these companies have. They can throw down laws, um, you know, that govern speech, quite frankly, for elected officials, you know, should some of these companies be subject to common carrier requirements like the telephone companies and not able to cut off access points to speech for certain individuals. These are all things Congress is considering now. You know, with the banking sector, you hear sort of um, conversations about decentralization through um, blockchain and things that would make transactions more anonymous. I'm not an expert in that, uh, but that's what a lot of people throw out as a solution there. But the at the end of the day, our self-government has to act at this point. These companies, again, as I said earlier, have sort of inverted the premise, um, and they are now directing how we live together and how we engage each other. And that's not their job. Uh, it's the job of Congress to decide how that should work, and I think that's where we're at right now. Well, let's talk about Congress for a second because we we love the fiery, you know, interactions between, you know, senators and and Mark Zuckerberg, and I mean, watching uh, watching Zuckerberg squeal in his chair because he gets busted, realizing that he's been, you know, collaborating with all these other platforms to uh, to censor folks. I mean, that's good, riveting television. But what's the bottom line? Nothing seems to change ever. Uh, what is possible here? Yeah. No, I think we've moved past the point of hearings. <laughs> we've been doing that for the last couple of years, and it's it's now time to legislate. And you're actually seeing proposals being put forward. The Senate Judiciary Committee is considering an antitrust proposal today. Uh, there's a number of Section 230 reform bills being put forward in the House. And there's a lot of pressure on, you know, Republican majorities, if they take back the House or the Senate in this coming midterm cycle, to actively address this issue. And I think that pressure from the grassroots needs to continue because this is something that actively needs to be done, whether it is, again, Section 230 reform, antitrust enforcement, which is something the law enforcement can do. But Congress is looking at updating those laws as well. All of these things, I think, would make a huge difference. Data privacy, you know, um, interoperability, all of these things would go a long way. And again, allowing the good parts of these companies to remain while setting some of the more nefarious parts under the control of us the people. And I think that's the goal of any legislative effort um, at this point. Now, we're we're on 52 radio stations right now, live, praise be to God. And we're so grateful for the opportunity to be on radio, because we're able to say and do things, have conversations on radio that we're not allowed to have. We've been We've received, I don't know how many channel strikes on our YouTube channel for having conversations that are not approved. Um, what do you see? I want to throw radio in there. Do you see anything on the horizon that might be a risk to radio? Or do you or do you see on the horizon the ability for radio, even though it may be waning in the face of the digital uh, world, uh, may continue to have a, a, a voice and an ability to speak out against these issues? So I actually think radio is still incredibly powerful. Um, if you look at the metrics, you know, the radio is still 
so far and away uh, a prime news source for how people engage the news. Where I do think there is a risk, though, is what you, exactly what you pointed out, where radio interfaces with social media. That, I think, is, you know, a direct hit on its ability to reach other people. And you're not alone, by the way. We're talking about, we were just talking about Congress a minute ago. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin has been censored by YouTube, I think, six <laughs> or seven times at this point. And this is a sitting United States senator. Right. <laughs> they, yeah. They aren't afraid of anyone. Um, but I don't see any threats to, to radio as, a, as a, a means or a mechanism or a broadcast mechanism down the road. Where I do see is the, the reach amplification being shut down, as you said, through social media, which does hamstring, I think, getting your message out. And you know that better than anyone. And so that, again, goes back to this debate of should these companies, you know, be subject to some kind of common carrier requirements, um, you know, that, that really restrict the, the type of speech that they can just shut off at will. Do you see a major change if, uh, if as we read in the, the headlines, that the, the midterm elections coming up are going to have drastic implications on Congress? Do you see anything changing in regards to that, if that's the case? You know, if, if Republicans take back uh, the majority, the, the pressure should absolutely be on them to address these companies. And I think that they understand, I, you know, the more members of Congress I talk to, I think they understand this. You know, you had a sitting president of the United States taken off of social media. Um, and I think that was a crossing the Rubicon point for a lot of these members of Congress, as was what happened to Parler, which really shattered the myth that you can just build your own platform and you will be left alone, you know, to be successful. That's not the case anymore. And so I do think that Republicans do feel pressure here. They, they have not yet come up with, I think, a coherent agenda to address this threat. And that's the next step, because Democrats have their own ideas. Some are, you know, some are okay, and some are blatantly, you know, looking to use social media for their own benefit. Yeah. So I think that yeah, Republicans really need to develop a coherent agenda. And the pressure again, if you care about this issue, this is something you should be talking to your member of Congress about repeatedly. Well, I think as a parent, I'm the most concerned, you know, about how my children will be impacted in the future. Although I don't allow them to have connected devices or or be on social media at this stage of their life, one day they'll be on their own two feet and they'll be their own persons and they'll have to face these on their own. And I don't want them to have to face a world where everything is stacked against them and, their game, and their, the game is rigged and their minds will be and their emotions will be manipulated by people whose uh, agendas aren't in keeping with what I see as a Catholic worldview. Uh, as parents, do we have any recourse to a future like that? So we didn't, yeah, we haven't even touched on the issue of how bad social media is for children. And the companies know this. Facebook knows that Instagram, which it owns, does damage to the development of children's brains, has horrible impacts on the self-esteem of young girls. And yet, you know, they, they advertise their product to, to young kids anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing I think Republicans are considering that I think needs in my personal belief, needs more steam, is this idea that parents should be able to directly sue these companies for damages. Yes. Right now, these mm. companies are protected by federal law from any recourse for, for user-generated content. And I just, you know, I think that a, a host of angry moms could get Instagram to change its policies faster <laughs> right. than Congress, to be honest. <laughs> you know, that... um, but yes, you know, it's not, and it's not simply a matter anymore of keeping your kids off social media, which is a great first step, but, but this is ubiquitous. Google's in schools. 
you know, they have access to the Internet wherever they are. So it's not like, you know, these are dangerous video games that you can just take away. This is ubiquitous technology that is everywhere and I think needs a little bit more parameters. You know, I was listening to your panel discussion you had about uh, 10 months ago or so, and a number of the people were, were talking about this issue, whether or not social media or the big tech platforms kill people, uh, whether that's true or not. Now, of course, you said no in a qualified sense. So what do you mean by that? And could you ex- uh, expand upon your idea there? You got about 60 seconds. Well, I don't think that, you know, the people at Facebook wake up every day and think my platform is going to murder some people. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. you know, I don't think there's like intent there. But I do think that these platforms are wreaking havoc on our society and, you know, the way in which they turned us toxic, they turned us against each other. Um, you know, they they have turned children's brains uh, to mush in a lot of different ways. They've changed our brains as adults. And so I do think they do have a huge impact on mental health, how we engage society and, and, and sort of interpret information. And all of that, you know, leads to an unhealthy lifestyle. So mm-hmm. I do think, again, it's that we've reached that point where it's time to incorporate these companies into our values and traditions as a company rather than simply leave them out there to dictate to us how to live. Amen. Well, we are out of time. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rachel Bovard, Senior Director of Policy Conservative Partnership Institute at the Federalist Society for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thanks so much for having me. God bless you and have a great day. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. That was a great conversation. We'll post it to our social feeds uh, later today, so check us out online. But don't forget, you can also get your car raffle tickets. You might win a brand-new Mercedes, and we get to keep our radio apostolate alive and well, dealing with these issues head-on. We're grateful for your support. Go to grnonline.com and click on the Mercedes. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. As a Catholic single, imagine walking up to that pretty lady and saying, Hey, you, get out of my dreams and into my 2022 Midnight Black GLA 250. Well, the GRN has given you a chance to make that dream a reality. Between now and February 21st, go to grnonline.com, buy five tickets for $100 or $25 for one, and let her come to you. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. 
family. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God this Thursday January the 20th, 2022. Praise be to God. We're grateful for you hanging out with us in this hour. We're going to have a great hour. Looking forward to it. We just wrapped up a wonderful conversation with Rachel Bovard uh, with the Federalist Society, talking about regulating big tech, some of the dangers there, what we can and cannot do, those kinds of things. We'll post that to our social feeds, which you can find linked up on our website. But also, I want to really point you to that uh, beautiful Mercedes on our website. If you go to grnonline.com and just scroll down to you see the Mercedes, click on that and you can get the details of how you might pick up your car raffle tickets and potentially win a brand new car in February, the end of February. And all proceeds go to support our Catholic Radio Apostolate, helping us to keep the doors open, the lights on, and broadcasting Catholic radio waves into your neighborhood for your friends and family for helping to bring back your lost friends and family. So please, be generous, but you might win a car, and that would be super fun, wouldn't it? That'd be kind of cool. It's possible. Go to grnonline.com for the details, and you can find everything linked up there. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, It's going to be a great day. Now, we were praying for your daughter uh, last hour. We'll continue to pray for her this hour. Uh, But uh, she's about to get like a little procedure. Yeah, she's going to get a tongue tie released, and uh, it's it's a piece of cartilage underneath your tongue that restricts the movement of the tongue. So it's making breastfeeding really difficult. Oh, so that's uh, rough. Yeah, and it might cause speech issues later. So we figured we would do it when she can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the procedure involves lasers, and I'm just as a father, I I can't bear the thought of putting my daughter through pain, through pain and suffering. <laughs> yes. So yes, but it's necessary. So well, maybe that's. That's what St. Paul said, you know, in, in uh, Colossians one twenty four. I fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the church. So you have to join Christ on the cross by enduring your daughter's suffering. So true. With heroism. Uh, courage! <laughs> Coraggio! Uh, all right, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. 
Uh, Mike on is generally better. Yes, typically. Nine out of 47 times, you want the microphone on. 47. That's not too many. That's not very, that's not very often. Uh, but praise be to God, it's praise good be to be to here. Is it? And the, uh, I was just thinking about the, you know, the fact that babies, how amazing babies are, especially yeah. since you, whenever they're baptized mm-hmm. like they, and they've committed no actual sin, yeah. they're literally perfect. Now, they may not seem perfect, but they're literally perfect. And, they, uh, and I was just thinking the, in a lot of places where they did not have the Eucharist or the Holy Sacrifice in the Mass, yeah. they would baptize babies. They would genuflect before the baby after they're baptized it's, because oh, yeah. it's an amazing the thought, right? of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Zero sin and, you know, made a Christian right there. Praise so be pure. to God. Uh, you know, what reminded me of my youngest uh, child, uh, Colbe Thomas Joseph Pio, uh, when he was baptized, screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. <laughs> I was afraid father would have to do an exorcism. I mean, I'm like, what is going down here? This poor kid. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of fun, but hilarious at the same time. All right. Uh, praise be to God. We're going to jump into our hour this hour. We have a piece of good news for you coming up in just a moment. And then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, 15 past the hour. We will play our game Fear and Trembling, and we're going to pray that our phone systems will work because they always they always crash right when we go to that break. So uh, if you're trying to call, keep calling. If you don't, just keep calling. You'll get in eventually. We always take the first caller, and you might win prizes. It's a lot of fun. So that's going to come up. And then, of course, in the second half of the hour, we stay live on our social feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're on Odyssey. We're on LinkedIn. We've cross-posted everywhere to, like, Gab and Parlor and MeWe and, I mean, just so many places. All of those links are on our website, by the way. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can even watch the live stream there if you wish, too. But you get to drive the conversation in the after show. So that's what's special is we interact directly with you. And you get to ask questions or comments or whatever you want to talk about. It's all uh, uh, possible when you comment on the live video feed in one of those locations. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And today's the day I also send out the email to the CDT insiders. And uh, we always give them a special, unique piece of content. Uh, So if you want that, then sign up to our email list, which you can also do on our website. And when you do that, I give you a, a great talk by Father Bill Casey. Immediately is just a saying thank you for signing up. Go to grn online.com forward slash CDT. And I think today I'm going to send that uh, private talk we did with Gabriel Castillo where he recounts how the devil was harassing him and how he was saved by that Literally from, our, from our lady. It's a powerful, gripping uh, conversation, and we'll probably send that to you in the email inbox tonight. So uh, make sure to get on that. Let's pray. Let's ju- jump into our hour. It's going to be great, and we're glad you're here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. And now your good news stories for the day. You get a twofer this this time. Good News Network reports high school athletes shovel snow for their neighbors as special weightlifting assignment for football team. 
Students in the western in Western Pennsylvania had a snow day on Monday, but instead of staying home or meeting for an indoor workout, these teens on a high school football team were instructed by their coach to go outside and help their neighbors. Coach Brian DeLalo at Bethel Park High School near Pittsburgh took to Twitter to announce that Monday's weightlifting session in the gymnasium was canceled, but he had an alternative assignment for the young men. Due to the expected severe weather, Monday's weightlifting workout has been canceled. Find an elderly or disabled neighbor and shovel their driveway. That's our Monday workout. He also told the boys not to accept any money. By mid-morning, more than 27 of the athletes were texting photos to the coach, with some saying they were on their sixth driveway. What better workout than shoveling driveways, said Brandon Del Duca, a junior on the team who went from house to house offering their services with a teammate, Colton Foofer. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's just a nice it's just nice getting out here helping out the community, Fufer said. For WTAE TV News in Pittsburgh, we love to do it for everyone that we can, echoed Del Duca. And Operation Rescue reports Florida abortion facility closes after 46 years of killing babies. The Fort Myers Women's Health Center, a Florida abortion business that has operated since 1976, has permanently closed, making it the first announced closure of 2022, praise God. The Fort Myers Women's Health Center was an affiliate for the All Women's Health Centers, a chain of 10 abortion facilities operating throughout Florida. Michelle Herzog, Central Florida branch manager for Pro-Life Action Ministries, reported the good news on her Facebook page yesterday and noted that the facility's abortionist, Fernando Betancourt, has reportedly retired about a month ago. Pray for his conversion. Florida now has 56 remaining abortion facilities, the third largest number behind California, who has 150, and New York with 82. Florida has 10 fewer abortion facilities today than it did 10 years ago, according to Operation Rescue's records obtained by surveying all U.S. abortion facilities annually. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Eustosia. She was born in the village of Santissima Annunziata, Italy. Saint Eustosia was born Smeralda Calafato and was a daughter of Bernardo, a rich merchant of Messina, and Mascalada Romano. While her mother was pregnant with her, Messina was stricken with the plague, and her parents fled the city to the small town of Santissima Annunziata near Messina. Where the child was born on the 25th of March, 1434, the Feast of the Annunciation, and in that year, also Holy Thursday. From an early age, she was noted for her beauty, but at the age of 15, against her parents' wishes, she determined to take religious vows. She chose to enter the convent of Basico in the house of the poor Clares. It seems that her brothers threatened to burn down the convent if she persisted in her plan. But this did not deter her, and I suppose, I guess they didn't burn it down. Uh, she took the name Eustitia and remained at Basico for over 10 years. She became known among the sisters for her conspicuous devotions and austerities. She frequently kept vigils, fasted often, and employed corporal mortifications, meaning like scourging herself. St. Eustitia was a great lover of the poverty that marked the poor Clares and felt that Basico was not adherent strictly enough to the rule in this regard. After discussion with the sisters and the abbess, and with the approval of Pope Calixtus III in 1464, she decided to found a new convent, which became known as Monte Vergine, Mountain of the Virgin. The building project was apparently completed through the funding of a wealthy relative. St. Eustitia was chosen abbess, and at the time of her death, the convent had 50 sisters. 
She died on the 20th of January, 1485, at the age of 50, and her incorrupt body rests in the monastery of the Sanctuary of Monte Vergine, and her body can be visited twice a week. Saint Eustacea, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crush him. He had cured many and as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God! He warned them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the last hour, I quoted from Father Carlos Martins of the Companion of the Cross, an exorcist and and uh, one of the, uh, probably the largest steward of relics outside of the Vatican, and uh, an expert on relics around the world, is Father Carlos Martins. We've had him on, we should get him back. But he said, blasphemy is a domain where evidently even the, deme- the, de- the demons will not tread. Even the demons will not tread there. And yet you and I, we do it all the time, right? I mean, how many blasphemies do we do we say? How many times do we hear blasphemy committed in movies and songs and casual speech? And I stub my toe and I commit blasphemy? Really? How casual we are. And yet even the demons will just say, you are the son of God, falling on their face. Now, would that we would be at least that level, if not better, right? Think about that for a second. But here's what Venerable Bede said. Allegorically, in the Lord's coming out of the synagogue and then retiring to the sea, he prefigured the salvation of the Gentiles to whom he deigned to come through their faith, having quitted the Jews on account of their perfidy. For the nations driven out in diverse bypaths of error are fitly compared to the unstable sea coming to the Gentiles as well. I love that imagery. Thank you, Venerable Bede. Pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, one thing is uh, the the line here, which uh, Joe mentioned briefly, and whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. Now, what does this exactly mean? Cornelius Lapide here points out that even the demons will kneel before the name of God, before the face of our Lord. Now, why is that the case? Well, Scripture says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend, right? Well, that's, it goes on to every knee, all of them, even the spirits, even the angels who don't have knees. It's a figurative, of course. But the, what, is that, what is that referring to? Those above the earth, under the earth, and on the earth. So why would demons kneel before our Lord? Well, they don't love God, and so they're not kneeling out of love. And so Vener, uh, Von Kocham, Father Von Kocham, who I highly recommend his book, The Four Last Things, Father Von Kocham, in his book, he talks about the fact that every knee shall bend, no matter what. Whether it's out of love of God, which that would be the best for you, if you would kneel before God because you love him, then praise be to God, that is the best possible situation. But those who are damned, the demons in hell, will also kneel before God out of fear because they are know the punishment that is to happen. Uh, St. Leo uh, would go on, uh, Corne- sorry, Cornelius Lapide 
would quote here uh, whenever he speaks about this, the unclean spirits fell down before him. They fell down kneeling at his feet, not out of love and devotion, but from fear, deprecating punishment, that he would not drive them out of the men and banish them to hell. So every knee shall bow. Whether we kneel because of love and devotion, that's up to us. Or if we do, we want to kneel because we're going to be on our knees begging for mercy as we are in pain and suffering or have a fear of what is to come. And those are our only options. So uh, every knee shall bow. Let's find out why you want to kneel before God. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, time to go to a break, time to come back and play our game Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are at stake and you could win. All you need to do is make a phone call, and the phone lines are open right now at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. Be our con- our caller, our contestant. You don't need to know answers to win at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ, and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda, so you are not allowed to share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. If you can keep this between us, then I promise 
to let you know all of my secrets and my agendas. All right. Is that a deal? Number one, I like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. And that's kind of cool. Praise be to God. Just imagine how much you can uh, brag about that among friends and family. That's kind of a good deal. And number two, we like to laugh and have a good time with our callers, and they tend to be very good sports, laughing with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me let you in on the secret. The caller does not need to know a single correct answer and could still win the game. And the reason is because I don't ask them these trivia questions. Instead, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? The sponsor of our game show this week is Saint Wave. Based out of D.C., Saint Wave is a one-man operation created and run by a convert to the Catholic faith, sometimes influenced by different 80s subcultures, other times by minimalist aesthetics, but always influenced by the heroes of the church. Though the designs stay up to date and are original, the greatest benefit is they are an open opportunity to evangelize. Oh, and also while looking stylish. Our winner this week will receive a Life is Worth Living Fulton Sheen t-shirt, You can see St. Wave's latest designs and other items such as stickers, tote bags, and hats on their website, saintwave.net. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, saintwave.net, for your generous sponsorship of our game show this week. We always enjoy giving out cool prizes to our listeners, and you make that possible. So thank you, saintwave.net. Hey, if you tried to call in and you don't get on the game, Call back tomorrow. You'll get another chance. Your last three chances tomorrow before we pull out a winner. So be sure to do that. Just call first, and you get to be the contestant. Let's go to the phones. Forrest, good morning to you, sir. What's going on, brother? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How about you? You will be alive for eternity. <laughs> where you're going to be. That's the, you've been talking to my wife again. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. She's been telling stories. <laughs> My friend Forrest from uh, far south central west Texas out in Hondo. It's good to see you recently, by the way. It was good to see you too, Joe. Uh, you are a veteran of the game. You've played before, uh, but uh, did you play? Was Rudy here the last time you were on? I can't remember. Rudy was. Oh, he was. Okay, so you have full experience. Yeah. You know the trickiness of him. So let's me and you are on the same team. Let's see if we can navigate these difficult waters with these two. Are you ready to play, sir? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Rudy, can you tell me? Or rather, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Forgot my own stick. <laughs> are you sure? I'm, I'm so ready, Joe. Are you sure? I'm so ready. Okay. I'm, I'm really ready. <laughs> Glad we got through that. Ru- Rudy, can you tell me? The church has held 21 of these worldwide meetings, these gatherings. 21 of them. What are they called? I believe they go by the name of ecumenical councils. Ecumenical councils. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's just, uh, we're going to get a second opinion just because. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me the church has held 21 of these worldwide gatherings, these meetings? What are they called? Yes. That would be the Synodal Synods on Synods. We've had 21 of them. We needed 21 of those? 
did we need them is a different question oh, than okay, did we sorry. have them. That's a different subject for a different day. <laughs> so your answer is what again? Synodal synods on synods. Synodal, those are worldwide. Those are worldwide synods. Synodal synods on the synods. Yes. All right, so Forrest, let me help you uh, with clarity. Uh, Adrian with clarity. seems to, <laughs> Adrian seems to think they're called synodal synods on the synods versus Rudy says they're called ecumenical councils. There's been 21 of them and they're worldwide. 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Forrest, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Okay. <laughs> I got it. You got it. That delay gives me anxiety. <laughs> Dramatic pause. No, there's only one of those so far. Surprise me to go. <laughs> You're in the cup, Forrest. Congratulations. All shenanigans aside, that was probably a fairly easy one, right? Yes. Yeah. You're good. You teach CCD, so you know how this works. All right, let's see if we can't catch you on the next one, then. We're going to go back to uh, Adrian for this one. Adrian? Uh-oh. Can you tell me? Yes, I can. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, what does the Eighth Commandment forbid? The Eighth Commandment. What does the Eighth Commandment forbid? Hmm. You know, I'm going to say the Eighth Commandment forbids us from saying harsh truths to people. Does it? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. You got to be nice. Okay. Okay. Eighth, can Eighth commandment forbids us from saying harsh truths to people. That's your answer. Yes. Huh. Rudy, um, let's ask you, what does the Eighth Commandment forbid? The Eighth Commandment forbids lies and harming the name of another. Interesting. Interesting. All right, uh, Forrest, here's the trick question. What does the Eighth Commandment forbid? Rudy seems to think it forbids lies and and harming the name of another person, whereas Adrian seems to think it forbids us from being harsh to other people. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Forrest, what say you? Uh, Rudy's pretty good. He's two for two today. Wow. <laughs> is he saying that Rudy's right? Such confidence. Survey says... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he can, he's you spot right. him a mile away. You weren't you weren't fooled by that at all, Forrest. There's no fooling you. No no curveballs here, I guess, hey, today. Honest, honestly, it took me a couple of seconds to go through the commandments to remember what <laughs> <laughs> It's a good thing we're not asking people to uh, name the Eighth Commandment, because I bet we find a lot more curveballs than that. Yep. All right, let's go to the third question. Back to Rudy. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Forrest. I think this could be the trickiest question of all. Trickiest question we've ever had. E ever? Ever. Of all time. Of all time. We should write that down. And then like on the like the best of the best game show at the end of the year, we should bring it back up. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to pray for you, Forrest. I'm going to pray for you. Rudy, we're going to go to you with this one. Rudy, the ancient custom of bringing up the offerings of bread and wine to the priest was replaced by what? My favorite part of the Mass, you turn to your neighbor, turn to your right, mm -hmm. turn to your left, mm. kiss a piece, start shaking hands. You kiss your neighbors at Mass? No. Well, not, not on the lips. Do, do they, how do they feel about this? <laughs> like, do you get any awkward stares? Or like, I'm, I'm a little European, all right? Does anybody smack you? I'm Man. just curious. Yeah, like in Europe, probably that flies, I would imagine. Right. Okay. Dude, a Mexican is Weirdos, how right? it works. <laughs> Strange guys, man. So Strange are you going to kiss on each cheek? Or, I mean, is there like a... Like a yeah, you like... How's it go? You know, you like, 
Lean in. Okay. Lean to the left. Uh, okay. Lean to the right. Okay. Take it back now, y'all. Do you <laughs> take it? <laughs> Three steps this time. You make physical contact or is it air kissing? All during the mass. All <laughs> during the mass. Right in the middle of the so mass. That's your answer. Yep. Okay. Okay. Kiss a piece. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian. That's my name. Don't wear it out. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me the ancient custom of bringing up the offerings of bread and wine to the mm -hmm. priest? was replaced by what? Yes, so the ancient custom of bringing up the bread and wine of the priests mm -hmm. was replaced by the collection of money offerings. So, you know, you had bread and wine brought up, yeah. and, but now we can just buy those. We don't have to make them ourselves. Sense. And so instead, we collect money. So it was the lay folks that were making the bread and wine that would be consecrated right. on the altar. Exactly. So that was their offering to the priest mm -hmm. who was doing that on their behalf. Si, senor. <laughs> bueno. All right, so here's the deal, Forrest, uh, in case you were at all confused by any of this. Uh, Adrian seems to think that the bringing up of bread and wine was replaced by the collection of money, and br that brought up. Whereas Rudy seems to think it was replaced by the kissing of peace with your neighbors at Mass. Uh, okay, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Forrest, what say you? I think Adrian's more right, but I don't like either one of those answers. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like the way you worded that. I think that was very skillfully done, Forrest. I think Adrian is more right. It's probably the most appropriate way to admit that Adrian is right publicly. But it is correct. It is correct, nonetheless. Yes. They replaced it with the money offerings. Uh, so that's why we do that today. Congratulations, Forrest. Your perfect score, three for three. Any Were any of those difficult for you at all? Uh, really, the third one was kind of, was kind of I could go either way. I, I, you, you were going to go with the kissing I, I of peace? Like, do you kiss your neighbor no. at mass? I'm just curious. <laughs> do they, how do no, they react to that? <laughs> Praise God, Forrest. Thanks for having a Bye. laugh with us today. Thanks for having fun. Uh, well done. Well done. It may be God's will that you win. I don't know. It could be. Could Might not be. We'll have to see. But God bless you. Have a great day, Forrest. We'll be praying for you and your family today. And we're grateful for you. Thank you, brothers. All right. That is going to do it for the radio side. That was fun. Praise God. If you can join us in the after show, please do. We'd like to chat with you directly on our live video feeds, which is all linked up on our website. You can even watch the show live there. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And don't forget those car raffle tickets. You might win a Mercedes, but we get to continue our Catholic radio postulate. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. 
Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Sebastian. The attention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all, all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty oh God, God and to you, to you my, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my, my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done, in what, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord, a spirit of fortitude, so that, taught by the glorious example of your martyr, St. Sebastian, we may learn to obey you rather than men. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. When David and Saul approached on David's return after slaying the Philistine, women came out from each of the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, joyful songs, and sistrums. The women played and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry and resentful of the song, for he thought, They give David ten thousands, but only thousands to me? All that remains for him is a kingship. And from that day on, Saul was jealous of David. Saul discussed his intention of killing David with his son Jonathan and with all his servants. But Saul's son Jonathan, who was very fond of David, told him, my father Saul is trying to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard tomorrow morning. Get out of sight and remain in hiding. I, however, 
we'll go out and stand beside my father in the countryside where you are, and we'll speak to him about you. If I learn anything, I will let you know. Jonathan then spoke well of David to his father Saul, saying to him, Let not your majesty sin against his servant David, for he has committed no offense against you, but has helped you very much by his deeds, when he took his life in his hands and slew the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel through him. You were glad to see it. Why then should you become guilty of shedding innocent blood by killing David without cause? Saul heeded Jonathan's plea and swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and repeated the whole conversation to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and David served him as before. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In God I trust, I shall not fear. In God I trust, I shall not fear. Have mercy on me, O God, for men trample upon me. All the day they press their attack against me. My adversaries trample upon me all the day. Yes, many fight against me. In God I trust, I shall not fear. My wanderings you have counted. My tears are stored in your flask. Are they not recorded in your book? Then do my enemies turn back when I call upon you. In God I trust, I shall not fear. Now I know that God is with me, in God in whose promise I glory. In God I trust without fear, what can flesh do against me? In God I trust, I shall not fear. I am bound, O God, by vows to you, your thank-offerings I will fulfill. For you have rescued me from death, my feet too from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. In God I trust, I shall not fear. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Our Savior Jesus Christ has destroyed death and brought life to light through the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crush him. He had cured many, and as a result those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. He warned them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The three traditional enemies of the spiritual life are typically identified as being the world, the flesh, and the devil. Today's first reading we hear really with Saul who is kind of infected by the spirit of the world which also sometimes can be called lust of the eyes. <clears throat> and lust of the eyes really has to do with looking out with jealousy and envy, greed and possessiveness of what other people have and thinking that we would like to have those things for ourselves. Which is kind of precisely what we hear with Saul. Saul, who despite the fact that he's already God's anointed, he's already the king of Israel, when he hears that people are praising David more than they're praising him, or they are esteeming David and giving him more credit than what he is getting, uh, he doesn't like it. And he looks out with the lust of the eyes, and he looks now at David with envy and thinks what he has, I would like it to be my own. And then, of course, he puts in a very seditious plan to go and try and have David killed. I think when we think of this lust of the eyes that Saul has and, and even the temptation for we human beings to have this kind of spirit of the world infect us to look out and think, why can't I have this or why can't I have that or to be envious or, or jealousy, it's good as well to think of different remedies for that spirit of the world. I think in the first place, the big thing which Saul overlooks is he isn't content with what he already has in life, but he also doesn't recognize that ultimately our happiness is dependent on our relationship with God and not in the possession of any things, not in the esteem or honor which may come from other people's opinion of us, but it really is something dependent on our relationship with God and our relationship, of course, with other people in, in charity. And to that end, we know that in terms of our relationship with God, uh, God does not put any conditions or qualifiers on it in terms of what kind of material status we have to have or what kind of physical well-being. God is simply there, open, available for relationship with us, and he wants to love us with his infinite love. And if we are content as people to rest in that and to find satisfaction in that and to remind ourselves that this truly is the source of our happiness coming from our relationship with God, well then all of the other things of life truly become secondary. Further, I think the big thing is when we apply ourselves to our relationship with God and to growing in our prayer life and in our spiritual life, then we really aren't bothered by the success of what other people are doing or what they're having. Even if those things are spiritual goods as well, which we can also be envious of. But precisely if we put our chips in the basket of saying, my happiness is to be found in God's will, I am going to apply myself to living that to the best of my ability. Well, at that point, what other people are doing or what they have or don't have really doesn't become of a great concern to us regarding our own personal happiness, but we're content to say, I know I'm doing my best, I know that I am living in God's will and striving to live it, and that is precisely the best that I can do. The other thing from today's first reading, which is quite beautiful, of course, that we also know is a good help or remedy for this lust of the eyes or the spirit of the world, 
is what we see in the friendship between Jonathan and David. Uh, Jonathan is a true friend to David who is there to kind of warn him of the impending danger which is coming from Saul. And he really reminds us of the beauty of what friendship can be to the spiritual life, to have people who are encouraging us in our growth and holiness, to have people who are encouraging us in our relationship with God, and have people to encourage us not to get caught up with the successes in the world or the successes in the eyes of men, but rather to be people who are entirely bent on serving God and to find our happiness in our relationship with him. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always resist these temptations of the world or the lust of the eyes to be covetous or envious of what others have and that we would always be content to be serving the Lord, to be striving to find our life always in his holy will. And let us thank God for those holy friendships which we do have that help us in our growth in holiness. Amen. <clears throat>
May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. Praise and glory of his name. Good and good of all his holy church. Sanctify our offerings by your blessing, O Lord, we pray. And by your grace, may we be set afire with that flame of your love, through which St. Sebastian overcame every bodily torment, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are glorified when your saints are praised. Their very sufferings are but wonders of your mind. In your mercy you give ardor to their faith. To their endurance you grant firm resolve. And in their struggle the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore, all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration. And we with all the host of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaot, Plenisum Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. <coughs> In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. <clears throat> Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation. 
giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, Sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat reinum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo ad in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentacionem, se libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacea. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the Supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. Embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Soul of my Savior, sanctify my breast. Body of Jesus, be my saving guest. Blood of my Savior, bathe me in thy tide. Wash me, ye waters, gushing from his side. Strength and protection, may his passion be. O blessed Jesus, hear and answer me. Deep in thy wounds, Lord, hide and shelter me. So shall I never, never part from thee. Guard and defend me from the flow malign. In life's last moments, make me only thine. Call me and bid me come to thee on high. When I may praise thee with thy saints for I. Let us pray. May the sacred mysteries of which we have partaken, O Lord, we pray, give us that determination which made your blessed martyr Sebastian faithful in your service and victorious in suffering through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along, oh, praise him. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Production.